0: I'm Madison. Welcome to immature history. Here we are. We're feeling
1: very, very immature tonight. Mm -hmm. Um, let's get silly.
0: Yep. Let's do it. Who's first.
1: I think it's me.
0: Okay. I think so too, but I literally never know. So
1: yeah, I almost never know. I just go with my gut. Um, I need to give a little bit of a preamble because I wanted to do something like super scary um with this being like our pinnacle mm, yeah. scary immature history episode. However, I stumbled across this story that like is scary in the sense that like there was something living in the walls of this house. Sure. Um but really just leans more towards silly than scary, but you're going to love it. Okay. I can't wait. <laughs> I'm reading from a Mental Floss article.
0: Ooh. Here we
1: go. One morning in the early 1930s, James Irving of the village of Dalby on the Isle of Man was getting ready to open his daily newspaper when a high-pitched disembodied voice called out impatiently, quote, read it out, you fat-headed gnome. <laughs>
0: Okay.
1: <laughs> the voice didn't belong to Irving's wife, Margaret, or his uh, daughter, uh, Voyry. I think is how you say that. Never seen that name before in my life. Sure. Um, the only humans likely to be in the remote farmhouse. But though Irving may have been offended, he wasn't surprised. He knew the voice belonged to a strange creature
0: called Jeff. <laughs> called jeff yeah (laughs) i just just i was going with this being like a charlotte's web situation
1: it's kind of similar um just on a larger scale (laughs) called jeff who for some time had been living largely unseen in his family's home
0: largely unseen implies not never unseen (laughs) right so can't wait for <laughs> but this. largely yeah. largely unseen
1: <laughs> the mysterious creature first showed up in the irving residence sometime in 1931 and according to the accounts of james margaret and voyrie initially lived in the walls and not yet able to speak imitated a range of animal noises quickly the unseen entity started to pick up human language from the irvings and before long introduced itself to the family.
0: (laughs) I cannot.
1: This is so good. His name, he said, was Jeff. And I have to tell you, it's Jeff spelled G-E-F.
0: G-E-F. That's it. G-E-F? I'm sorry. (laughs) Is this from Arrested Development? Jeff and Job. (laughs) Geff and Gob?
1: But then it says pronounced Jeff. So like presumably he had to tell the family like, no, it's not spelled J-E-F-F. It's G-E-F.
0: I'm in my head. It's like, oh, your name. Like, hi, I'm Jeff. Oh, Jeff. No, 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 Jeff. No, that's what I'm saying. Jeff. No, no, you're saying it, Jeff. Like it's G-E-O-F-F. This is just (laughs) G-E-F. Exactly. You can tell in how they pronounce it.
1: So his name, he said, was Jeff, and he was a mongoose from India. (laughs) Oh, naturally. Over the course of the 1930s, Jeff the talking mongoose became something of a media phenomenon. He appeared in numerous tabloid newspaper stories and was investigated by, by paranormal researchers. Uh, Though many visitors wrote off Jeff as some kind of hoax or mass hallucination, the Irving family insisted he was real. They told stories of Jeff sleeping in Voyery's room, eating bacon and sausages, (laughs) and
0: even riding
1: riding the bus.
0: (laughs) Oh my. Okay, I need to also double check what a mongoose looks like yeah
1: I think like a
0: ferret kind of but maybe bigger yeah ferret that's what I was thinking I just wanted to make sure that was accurate oh (laughs)
1: um even riding the bus and bringing back gossip about the neighbors
0: (laughs) Jeff play it cool dude
1: Oh, my gosh. The family members all claim to have seen Jeff at some point with their own eyes. And in a 1932 interview with the Manchester Daily Dispatch, James described the creature as, quote, a little animal resembling a stoat. Uh S-T-O-A-T. I don't know what that is. It's like a weasel. Yeah. A stoat, a ferret or a weasel, yellow in color with a body about nine inches long. Its long bushy tail is speckled with black. Uh, the Irving family's description of Jeff seemed to shift from that of a real uh, corp- corporeal mongoose to something of a sprite who, though verbally active and possibly telekinetic, was rarely seen.
0: I just am so overwhelmed. <laughs> it's so What's much happening? information.
1: <laughs> Jeff's own accounts of himself also varied. At sure. one point, he, <laughs> we all struggle with our self yeah, with identity.
0: I mean. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah.
1: <laughs> at one point, he described himself as merely, quote, an extra, extra clever mongoose. But at another, <laughs> he proclaimed, quote, I'll split the atom. I am the fifth dimension. I am the eighth wonder of the world. <laughs> <laughs> but I have to real quick go over to um, Wikipedia for a quote. Um, <laughs> the Irvings say that Jeff communicated to them that he was an extra, extra clever mongoose, an earthbound spirit, and a, quote, ghost in the form of a mongoose. And once said, <laughs> I am a freak, I have hands and I have feet. And if you saw me, you'd faint, you'd be petrified, mummified, turned into stone or a pillar of salt.
0: <laughs> uh- I just cannot with Jeff.
1: Jeff is really
0: just he was, doing he was, too much. He was right when he said he was extra extra. Yeah. He's very just in like full
1: stop there. That's all just he had to say. So
0: extra. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, they accuse Jeff of throwing stones, killing rabbits, and singing body renditions of Home on the Range. <laughs> um the talking mongoose's little speeches uh meanwhile beard from rude quote i have been nice i have been to nicer homes than this carpets piano satin covers on polished tables i am going back there ha ha ha
0: (laughs) sick burn jeff
1: terrifying quote i could kill you all but i won't
0: oh very kind of him right
1: but why um mongoose? so yeah so weirdly specific although on the wikipedia page it said at first they weren't sure if it was um oh gosh they said something like a mongoose a dog or a baby
0: <laughs> i mean
1: it's and it's hard you know i think to differentiate between it's those it's really things.
0: hard yeah it's really hard
1: Though only one newspaper claimed to have actually seen Jeff, in an article called Man Weasel Mystery Grips Island, colon, Queerest Beast Talks to Daily Dispatch Reporter, some members of the media took the case seriously enough to launch a full investigation. Rex Lambert, (laughs) Rex Lambert, founding editor of the BBC's Listener Magazine, took on the mongoose mystery with celebrity paranormal investigator Harry Price and the two published their findings in a book called The Haunting of Cashin's Gap, A Modern Miracle Investigated. This, I mean, this goes on and on, but I think that we all really get the picture
0: uh-huh.
1: um, of who Jeff was, you know, what do you, I, I still don't really know. I think the big mystery is like, what did Jeff want?
0: Yeah. Why? Why? Just a bully. Just such a bully. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Why Jeff? Yeah. Um, But that was Jeff, the talking mongoose.
0: Wow. I'm unsettled. I'm skeptical. I'm enthralled. All of the above. You're welcome. I love him. What you got? Okay. Um, So this is when we first started doing spooky stories um for spooky season this is one of the first ones i found and i've been holding on to it ever since oh. um because i feel like it's it's spooky it's kind of funny um it's just all my favorite things okay great um this is the 1858 bradford sweets poisoning okay um now I will say this is like a little dark and I I get that and I apologize for making light of it but there are so many things um that do not involve manslaughter in this that are really funny and so the manslaughter like it just you know it, it's, it's tacked right on there yeah sure um Okay, the 1858 Bradford sweets poisoning was the arsenic poisoning of more than 200 people in Bradford, England, when sweets accidentally made with arsenic were sold from a market stall. Twenty one victims died as a result. The event contributed to the passage of the Pharmacy Act of 1868 in the United Kingdom and legislation regulating the adulteration of foodstuffs. Mm. So essentially um, this, I think it'll say it later, but, um, this happened on Halloween. <laughs> so it's oh, passed out arsenic-laced candy.
1: Sure. It's Halloween. like the razor blades. Yeah.
0: Yeah. William Hardiker, known to locals as Humbug Billy. Sure. Naturally. <laughs> Of course (laughs) (laughs) sold sweets from a stall in the green market in central Bradford Hardiker purchased his supplies from Joseph Neal who made the sweets or lozenges on stone street, a few hundred yards to the North, the lozenges in question were peppermint humbugs, which is probably where he got the name made of peppermint oil incorporated into a base of sugar and gum. However, sugar was expensive. uh, So Neal would substitute powdered gypsum, known as DAF for some of the required sugar. The okay. adulteration of foodstuffs with cheaper substances was common at the time. And the adulterators used obscure nicknames to hide the practice. Um, on the occasion question on October 30th, 1858, Neil sent James Archer, a lodger who lived at his house to collect DAF, which is what that, um, powder gypsum. gypsum is. Yeah. um, Do you like Daffer Hardiker's humbugs from druggist Charles Hodgson? Hodgson's pharmacy was three miles away at Beldon Bridge in Shipley. Hodgson was at his pharmacy, but did not serve Archer owing to illness. And so his requests were seen to by his young assistant, William Goddard. Uh, Goddard asked Hodgson where the Daff was and was told that it was in a cask in the corner of the attic. However, rather than daff, Goddard sold Archer 12 pounds of arsenic trioxide. <laughs> so like to any aspiring pharmacists, if you yeah. don't know where something is, don't ask the fucking pleb that comes in there and it's like, oh yeah, it's, it looks like this. Yeah. Let's just, um, just like ask you know, a professional or please. You know, yeah. don't just, don't just be like, oh, I'm new here. I don't know where that is.
1: Right. <laughs> because you could end up with a terrible mix up, such as what we're about to hear.
0: Yes. <clears throat> the mistake remained undetected even during manufacture of the sweets by James Appleton and, quote, experienced sweet maker who was employed by Neil, though Appleton did observe that the finished product looked different from the usual humbugs. Appleton was suffering symptoms of stillness during the sweet making progress process and was ill for several days afterwards with vomiting and pain in his hands and arms, but did not realize it was caused by poison. It's sure. funny that it's not funny, but it's funny that in 1858, you could get like violently ill, um, you know, have vomiting and then pain in your limbs and just be like, well, guess we don't know. Like, yeah. <laughs> Could be anything. There's
1: just no way to 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 figure out.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, 40 pounds of lozenges were sold to Hardacre, who also noticed the sweets looked unusual and used this to obtain a discount from Neil. Like Appleton, great, 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 great. Like (laughs) Appleton, Hardacre, as one of the first to taste the sweets, also promptly became ill. Regardless, Mm -hmm. Hardacre sold five pounds of the sweets from his market stall that night, reportedly at a price of. These are just letters, half one and a half D it says, I don't know what that means for two ounces. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Of those who purchased and ate the sweets, 21 people died with a further 200 or so becoming severely ill with arsenic poisoning within a day. That's insane.
1: Oh my God.
0: Um, Originally the first deaths, those of two children were thought to be owed to cholera, a major problem in Britain at the time. The growing number of casualties soon showed that the purchase of lozenges from Hardacre stall was the cause. And from there, the trail led to Neil and Hod- Hodgson. Goddard was um, arrested. Just,
1: yeah. Sorry, just to interrupt real quick. I did look it up and it's pennies. So you would say one and a half pence, I believe.
0: Oh. One and a half
1: Mike Pence.
0: One and a half Mike Pence. Wow. And honestly, um, I admire your bravery in Googling one and a half D.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Someone yeah. had to do
0: it. Someone had to do it. You know. It was not going to be me. <laughs> um, let's see. Goddard was arrested and stood before magistrates in the courthouse on in Bradford on November 1st with Hodgson and Neal later committed for trial with Goddard on a charge of manslaughter. Dr. John Bell identified arsenic as the cause, and this was confirmed by Felix Remington, a prominent chemist and druggist and analytical chemist. So that's too many titles. Remington estimated that each humbug contained between fourteen and fifteen grains of arsenic, uh, though a contemporary account suggests nine grains. With four point five grains being a lethal dose, so two to three times a lethal dose in each piece of candy. That it's insane that only twenty-one people died.
1: Yeah,
0: more than two hundred. Wow. Yeah, That's
1: incredible.
0: Thus, each lozenge would have contained enough arsenic to kill two people and enough distributed by Hardacre in total to kill 2,000. So he could have killed 2,000 people. The prosecution against Goddard and Neal was later withdrawn and Hodgson was acquitted when the case was considered at um, York Assizes, Assizes, A-S-S-I-Z-E-S. Don't know what that is. Yeah. On December 21st, 1858, the tragedy and resulting public outcry was a major contributing factor to the pharmacy act of 1868, which recognized the chemist and druggist as the custodian and seller of named poisons as medicine was then formally known the requirement for, for record keeping and the requirement to obtain the signature of the purchaser is currently upheld under the poisons act of 1972 for Mm -hmm. quote, non-medicinal poisons. W.E. Gladstone's ministry of 1868 to 1874 also brought in legislation regulating the adulteration of foodstuffs as a result of the events. Wow. Um, and I think my favorite part of this is there's like a caricature on the Wikipedia page that was drawn and it's like, <laughs> um, it's so creepy. It's, um, you know, them, it's called the great lozenge, the great lozenge maker. Mm-hmm. and it's just like a guy in you know a shop and he's got all these potions and stuff and the he's it looks like he's like churning butter in one of those like big long things and it's just mm-hmm. a skeleton wearing clothes oh, um, great. <laughs> <laughs> and there's just like a big like barrel full of arsenic next to
1: him <laughs> oh my god
0: savage. so but morbid probably rightfully so yeah um so what campers please check your candy for our snack
1: and so many other things yeah. um razor blades the gay agenda yeah
0: mhm
1: um all you of know the- <laughs> <laughs>
0: um,
1: just be careful you know of what what your kids are getting um mm-hmm. this year <laughs> yeah be careful Yeah. And have fun trick-or-treating. And we'll see you all next time.
0: We will. Bye-bye. Bye. Happy Halloween.